Welcome to church, huh? <laughs> I uh, remember when I was a uh, freshman in high school, and I may have shared this before, but there was a girl in our church, uh, her name was Valerie, and uh, she hadn't been to church for a while. And there were a lot of rumors that were flying around that she was pregnant. And um, I remember her first Sunday when she was back at church, it was obvious that the rumors were true. And uh, I remember her being in class and the kids were talking and before class, one of, one of the girls who had a lot of influence with the other youth said, my mom said she's a tramp and she shouldn't be at church. And so most of the kids kind of avoided her. Nobody talked to her and you know, I think about that saying, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. And I know it's intended to be kind of a defense, you know, against bullying, against uh, verbal abuse. And it sounds good in theory, but the reality is words hurt. Words can cut they can create a loneliness and an isolation. You know, Valerie, she sat through class. Most of the class, she just looked down at the ground. She never made eye contact with anyone. And when the class was over, she just bolted. Now, immediately following Sunday school, we had worship, so everybody was heading to worship. And Valerie came into the sanctuary, and she sat down in a pew by herself, and I watched it as people were whispering and, and pointing. And I even saw what the woman sitting in the same pew as her scoots down away from her, you know, distancing herself. And it was almost like they were taping off a crime scene. She had always come to church by herself. Her parents and her family did not attend but I realized in that moment it was very different because now she was really alone. She just stared at the floor. She kept wiping tears away. And I, I'm embarrassed to say I, I remember the Holy Spirit just prompting me and saying, go sit with her. She shouldn't be alone. And I, I resisted. I mean, what, what would people think? And so I did, I did nothing. And it was about that point that I watched, she just got up out of service and she, she was sobbing and kind of ran out of service. And friends, I will tell you that image kept replaying in my head for weeks and weeks. In fact, I can still close my eyes and kind of imagine it. But back then, I kept going, why didn't I get up and go sit with her? You know, it's, it's one of those moments that it leaves a lasting impression on you. In fact, it's one of those moments that it's full of brokenness. It's full of guilt, shame, failure. You know, sticks and stones. Well... The next week, I looked around for her, in fact, several weeks after that, and she wasn't at church. 
And at some point in, in those weeks, I ran into my Sunday school teacher, Henry Piper. I called him Mr. Piper. He had been my junior high Sunday school teacher. Uh, Mr. Piper was, was the most godly person that I knew. And he had been in the hospital. Uh, he didn't know about Valerie. And so I started kind of filling him in. And I really wanted to get to the, the part and just tell him how I watched and how the church had mistreated her. And then I told him about feeling bad, that I knew God wanted me to go sit with her, and I didn't. And so I'm kind of working through this stuff, and I, I remember Mr. Piper, he said, what will you do the next time you have a situation like that? And I said, well, I think I'd go sit with her. And to this day, I remember him saying, Damon, always do what God asks you to do. Always do it. And those words, they kind of resonated with my spirit. But at the same time, friends, they, they cut because I knew he was right. And so every week I would watch for her. And then the week came and she showed up. And I watched her come into the sanctuary, and she sat down. People were still pointing. I could see people talking. And i, I got to be honest with you. I had to pry myself out of my pew. And I went, and I sat down next to her. And the only thing I could think to say to her was, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you came back. About that time... Mr. Piper come in the other side and sat down next to her. And he just reached over and he grabbed her hand. And friends, it was in that moment that the tension, it it just dispelled. And I looked at him and I I remember smiling. And, And friends, it was a moment that spoke volumes into my life. Because it was full of grace. It was full of grace. You know, Gandhi, uh, he, was, he said that, uh, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are not very much like your Christ. You know, there's a story, uh, John 8. Jesus was teaching in the courtyard, and he's interrupted by an angry mob. And these religious leaders, they drag this woman into the street. And it, it's quite likely that she wasn't wearing anything except a sheet. See, they drug her in and they threw her at the ground at Jesus' feet. And scripture says, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman, woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? See, these religious leaders, they're legalistic. They're trying to follow the rules. And they're making sure everybody else is following the rules. And so they they try and trap Jesus in this moment. You know, the fact is, rules can turn you into a stone thrower. I mean, we might not drag people into the street, 
No, that's not our style, is it? But we toss names around, innuendos, accusations. We throw stones. Now, I don't want to be misquoted. I don't want you to misunderstand me. I understand sin, sin. I understand that God's word is full of commandments and guidance and laws to protect us. But if we're honest, if we're all honest, we've all sinned. We've all broken some commands. We've all fallen short. Now, some more public than others. But make no mistake about it, we have all messed up, right? We're together on that? (laughs) Friends, when you start overemphasizing the rules, you become more like the Pharisees than the Messiah. You become more like a, a judge than Jesus. When we start overemphasizing the rules... Well, it leads to stone throwing in life. And I think it happens unintentionally. I mean, I'm going to give us the benefit of the doubt here. I think what happens is well-meaning Christians go, well, we've got to keep the standard high. But friends, it makes it really hard for people to come to God. Because what happens is so many times the rules become a barrier in life. You know, I attended uh, Christian schools for a couple years. I spent eighth grade at Christian Elementary in Springfield, and I loved, I loved it. Uh, probably one of my favorite years of, of school. But things changed when I started attending Grace Baptist uh, in ninth grade. And uh, let's just say it was different. We, we uh, worked on paces, which meant it was self-directed teaching. I loved that part. But at orientation, I remember they handed us a rule book. It had about 200 numbered rules. They were referenced and even had what the punishment was if you broke the rule. And, and the, to make sure that you obeyed the rules, we had a monitor. Uh, we called him the enforcer. <laughs> which was a violation of Rule 5, respect your elders, but that's a whole nother thing. There were rules for how to dress. You know, white shirt, ironed, needed, couldn't have wrinkles in it. Blue dress pants, red, white, and blue tie. You had to have your tie tack on, but it had to be approved by the administration. We had rules about how to keep our cubicle and our desk area. We had rules for words that we were not allowed to use, and they, they weren't just bad words. They, they were like modern phrases, like we weren't allowed to say dynamite or groovy. Those words were forbidden. And several times, I'm a slow learner, several times I showed up at school, sat down at my desk, began studying, and I would hear the monitor go, talking to Rule 43, you know what to do. And so I'd get up, go to the office, call my mom, tell her to come pick me up, and then we'd go get my hair cut. <laughs> I was uh, told on numerous occasions that 
if my hair touched my ears, that I wasn't a Christian, that I was probably held bound at that point. And so, being the rebel I am, I decided I was going to take on this ridiculous rule. (laughs) And in the process, friends, I broke dozens of rules. And it, it was crazy because each rule had its predetermined punishment. But according to how many rules you broke, then it was multiplied. It was kind of compounded. And let's just say I was not prepared for the domino effect that was about to take place in my life. And so I quickly developed my own rule. Number one rule for me that year, rules are not worth breaking. All right, now I want to be really clear here. I'm okay with rules at home, school, work, wherever. Rules have their place. I understand there are rules and commands from God. They're they're not suggestions. They're not optional. But friends, you have to watch out when rules and following the rules become the defining factor in your Christian walk. You know, when Christianity shifts from a relationship with Jesus Christ to rule-keeping, well, watch out. You know, I I, I have watched uh, adults who've grown up in the church, and they walk away from Christianity. No, they, they run away from Christianity many times because they're exhausted from trying to keep all the rules. Again, rules are fine. They're good. But it's tragic when we get the idea that following rules is what makes you a Christian. When following the rules, when rules rule, you have to watch out. You know, this, this woman, she gets drugged into the street. She's laying in, in the dirt at Jesus' feet. I imagine she's embarrassed, humiliated, ashamed. She's probably overcome with, with guilt and grief. And on this day, breaking the rules... It may cost her everything. It may cost her her life. See, the religious leaders, they drag her before Jesus, and they're waiting for an answer. They say, the law of Moses says, stone her. What do you say? See, they're, they're trying to mess with Jesus. They're, they're trying to get Jesus to, to make a commitment to the rules. What do you say, Jesus. They're trying to paint him in a corner, a place where the rules rule. They're expecting that Jesus is going to submit to the letter of the law and say, yeah, you're right. Rules are rules. Do what you got to do. But the story takes a twist. I mean, instead, Jesus finally looks up and he meets the eyes of the accusers, these spiritual leaders that have, they have this tight grip on the laws, but they've got an even tighter grip on the stones in their hands. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, 
let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Jesus is using his finger. He's writing something in the dirt. We, we don't know. We don't know what Jesus wrote that day. You know, scholars, they, they've debated this for centuries. Uh, some speculate that Jesus was writing the sins of the accusers. Sins of those that had broken the rules. These guys that had become stone throwers in their life. I imagine these guys knew that Jesus could see into their soul. He had their number. But these spiritual bullies. Scripture says one by one they they dropped their stones. And they walk away. So now it's just Jesus and this woman. Goes on, says Jesus stood up and asked her, where is everybody? Is there anyone left to accuse you? No, sir, the woman answered. Then Jesus told her, and I'm not going to accuse you either. You may go now, but don't sin anymore. I want you to think about that moment. Jesus was without sin. If there was anybody in the crowd that day that had the right to accuse her, Jesus could have. But he didn't. Jesus chose grace in that moment. Friends, Rules, rules do not inspire grace. You know, when I was in uh, college over at St. Louis Christian College, I had a phenomenal professor, Andy Paris, uh, marked my life in a significant way. And so if he was teaching a class, I tried to sign up for his class. I just uh, loved it. And so I had taken several classes from him. And he always had given tests. And what he did was basically give you a blank piece of paper and he would tell you write everything that you can on the topic that we've studied what you've read and what I've taught and then he would meticulously go through your test and so I had taken his class on the book of Romans and throughout the semester every morning when we would start class he would say the same thing it's about the law And it's about grace. So we get to the final exam, and it was to be heavily weighted for for our grade. And so I stayed up all night studying. I was fully prepared for his test. To my surprise, I sat down. He starts handing out a big, long test. And he told us, he said, you will not finish the test. You have two hours answer as much as you can. And friends, when you started reading the questions, complex, off the chain, and a lot of uh, questions that required a lot of trivial recall, so to speak. And so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, there goes my GPA. This is not good. And for two hours, I I wrote and I struggled and they... uh, and then he just, he told us to stop. Nobody had finished. And he said, 
It's about the law and it's about grace. And then he said, you get to choose today. If you want to live by the law, turn your test in. But if you want to live by grace, walk out of class and receive an A. I never so happy in all my life. <laughs> the whole class, I mean, it was interesting because that test created quite a stir on our, on our campus. But I remember his words to this day. It's about the law. It's about grace. I mean, 35 plus years later, see the thing that sticks with me, it's about grace. It's about grace. Jesus stood alone with that woman. And it was about grace that day. The rule said, stone her, put her to death. But Jesus wasn't concerned about the rules. In fact, Jesus was concerned about something greater than that. He was concerned about that woman's relationship with Jesus Christ and with God. See, it's about grace. It's always been about grace. You know, Jesus called her to, to go and to put the sin behind her. You know, go now and, and don't sin anymore. Let it go. It's about a, a grace that's available to those. Some of you have been hauling around a lot of lists and rules and obligations in your life. It's about a grace for those that are tired of pretending they're someone that they're not. You know, it's a, about a grace that, that, that's bigger than that. I mean, anybody tired of pretending in your life? Trying to be someone? Trying to make everybody believe you're someone you're not? It's about grace that's for people who are weighed down with guilt, fear, sin. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. It's about grace. Here's, here's what I know. Some of you grew up in, in homes and in churches, and basically you learned to fear God. And so you kept the rules out of fear. Maybe, maybe you're trying to keep the rules to avoid hell. Well, here's the good news. Well, maybe it's bad news. Keeping rules will not keep you out of hell. It won't. But receiving God's grace and forgiveness where your sins are forgiven, friends, you secure a home in heaven, I mean, that's good news. But my point is, be very careful. When rules take priority over love and grace. You know, when rules, when they become the most important thing to you, it becomes very difficult to love people. 
The fact is, rules can become so important, you miss having a relationship with Jesus Christ and with God. Because you're so busy following rules, you're not following Jesus. How many of you are married? Let me see. All right. You know, when I uh, married Cindy, um, there were rules we kind of agreed to live by. You know, some were written, some unwritten. But we, when we got married, I, I made a commitment that I would be faithful to her for a lifetime. That I would stand with her for better or worse, sickness, health, rich or poor. That no matter what we faced in life, I promised I'd be there for her. But friends, there were a lot of rules I was clueless about. (laughs) Yeah, like put your dirty clothes in the hamper. Put the seat down. (laughs) Make sure the toilet paper's put on correctly, the right direction. Yeah, who decided which way is right on that? Here's, Here's my point. If I saw my relationship with Cindy as a rule-keeping exercise, if I just focused on the rules, I would not be happy. In fact, I think I'd be miserable. But since I love Cindy, the rules really aren't a deal most of the time. The rules are not weary, they're not heavy, because the rules are not the focus. The, the rules are about pleasing the one I love. And so when the relationship's right, the rules are not a deal. They just aren't. You know, the grace of God, the love of God should inspire us to live for God. When you love God, you want to please God. The focus isn't following the rules, but because you love God, you follow. See, the rules won't keep you around a relationship either. And I want parents to listen very, very carefully right now because this is important that you get this. If you define Christianity for your children as keeping rules, obeying moral codes, instead of defining it as a relationship with Jesus Christ and following Jesus Christ, you are messing up big time. Your kids will walk away from the faith and they will not look back. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, yeah, but, but you, you got to understand and they have to understand there are rules. And, and that's true, okay? But if the focus of your faith, if what you teach your children is it's all about keeping rules instead of a relationship with Jesus Christ, they will walk. And friends, we cannot, as a church, reach people for Jesus Christ 
by using rules and moral codes and, and those type of things. It's about a relationship with God. And it is about grace. When we focus on the rules, we do damage. We hurt people. And we become rock throwers in our lives. In fact, I think you can get focusing so much on rules. We do so much just critical damage to people. Rock throwers. You know, um, as a pastor, you get kind of a unique perspective. And um, people, uh, it breaks my heart, but I've heard it all through the years. You know, I've heard things such as uh, people will catch me and they'll go, hey, am am I welcome here? You know, I I went through a divorce and the church I was going to asked me to leave. And, you know, how are people going to be? You know, or someone will, someone will ask me, like when we have communion, they'll go, uh, hey, can I take communion here? Because, you know, I've had an affair, or I've been through this or that. And they'll, they'll throw, throw things out. People come in and go, you know, I've, I struggle with addiction. Or, you know, I've been to prison. Or I've made some serious mistakes in my life. And, you know, I was told that God doesn't love someone like me. Or I've got to fix everything before I can be right with, with God. Friends, rules, stones. Somehow they came to a conclusion that some rule had ruled them out. And friends, that's, that stuff just crushes the spirit. A relationship, hear me, a relationship with Jesus Christ It changes everything, everything. And friends, I do not know your story. I do not know who bullied you. I I don't know if you've had some religious person throw stones at you. I don't know that. And I don't know if it was a church or a parent or a pastor I don't know who it was that misrepresented Jesus Christ to you, who wasn't anything like Jesus. But friends, so many times when we just focus on traditions, a lot of rules, we mess up. You know, maybe focused on the rules but never really got around to teaching you about a relationship and the importance of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And friends, when that happens, man, talk about a pile of guilt. And it becomes heavy and it becomes burdensome and that's not who we're called to be. You know, I I would challenge for some of you You know, maybe that's been how you're living. You know, follow the rules, follow the rules, follow the rules. Friends, you need freedom. You need to know the joy in having a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
because it changes how you live. You know, when you, when you choose a relationship, well, then you start living differently. God begins working in you and changing you. But it's that relationship where you choose Jesus as your Savior and Lord that it changes things. And I will tell you that our Savior offers grace where you are, as you are. And he'll love you too much to let you stay the same. But he'll meet you where you're at. That's a shift in thinking. Some of you, some of you need to change. It's like, it's noble. Try and follow the rules. But if that's it, it's pretty empty. And it's very heavy. I challenge you to choose to have a relationship. Jesus Christ. Change how you live. Change how you feel. It's about grace. It's about grace. It's always been about grace. Friends, we need to be a people of grace. I I would challenge you, uh, whether it's in your home, at work, school, wherever, think about the words you say, the way you interact because when it's about grace, you live one way. About the law? Yeah. You're going to live, but I'm not sure that's a way to live. You're going to do a lot of damage, a lot of damage in life. Let, let, let's stand for a word of prayer together. It's about the law. It's about grace. It's always been about grace. Always been about grace. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, help us to be people of grace. God, I know there are some here today that uh, their faith walk has been defined by rule following. God, I pray today that uh, they'd shift that focus. They'd make it about having a relationship with you. God, that uh, we pray that your Holy Spirit would whisper in our life that as we pursue that relationship, we would become better people. But we also would become more graceful people, grace-filled, and that we would share that grace with just readily with those around us. God, use us in a significant way. Let Faith Fellowship be a place of grace. We give you the glory. We give you the praise with all we say and do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. God's people say, amen. Let's continue worship.